BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today, and you can receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. What's up? Welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday. Sorry we took a couple days off there. Your boy was a little under the weather, but we're back. Have podcasts coming out for the rest of the week. Hopefully this weekend as well. Catch up on a little lost time. A lot to get to on today's show. Got some thoughts on the Kevin Durant injury from the other night that's still fresh in our minds, obviously, and how that might affect the rest of the Western Conference here. Looking ahead to next season, if this injury means Kevin Durant is coming back to Golden State, how that could impact the West, if this means he's definitely going elsewhere. Got a lot of thoughts on that and how it affects the Nuggets. Also, a lot of questions to get to. You guys have been blowing up my email, wind.bsndenver.com. Keep hitting that up. I've also got one question on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline that I'll get to momentarily. First, though, I want to start off with a question from Josh, good friend of the podcast. He's called in. He's emailed in before. This was about... Kevin Durant. And I think it will set us up nicely for me to give some of my thoughts on the situation. Josh writes, G'day Harrison. First off, a few weeks back, you said Bangkok was your furthest hotline caller when in fact yours truly called preseason last year from Sydney and sorry, Thailand, we're a little further away. But I'm sure they'll take that on the chin, unlike the Philippines. And Josh writes in parentheses, Google Australia Philippines basketball brawl to understand that joke. Was that the one with Andre Blatch? I think that was. Um, Sorry about that, Josh. I I forgot your call from preseason, but yes, you are the furthest caller, I believe, uh, unless somebody else is going to call me out to call into the show. And then Josh goes on to write, unless someone from Melbourne, Invercargill, New Zealand, or Antarctica calls, I might be hard to beat. Anyway, I didn't email to boast or give a geography lesson. My question comes shortly after KD's Achilles injury, and I was thinking about the domino effect that this will have on free agency. The logical thing to do for KD would be to take the player option at Golden State and get $30 million sitting in a suit. I disagree with that. I'll explain why in a second. That would mean that Clay Thompson would probably not get offered a max deal, and you would think he'd be looking to get close to that after getting 15 to 17 mil the past three seasons. So if the Warriors fall off a cliff, is the door now open for the Nuggets in the West? We were assuming it'd be another year of learning, but is the tide right for the Nuggets to go for it now? Obviously, the other big free agents will change things around, but Knicks and Nets are cashed up and could pull some talent east as well. I'm not suggesting how the Nuggets do it, but do you think the Nuggets and maybe Josh Kroenke have a serious crack at adding someone and going into the luxury tax? P.S. Add me to the list of people thanking Christian Clark for his awesome work for the past two years. His cheeky hot takes and dry humor will be missed. Yes, I echo your thoughts there wholeheartedly. 
So here's what I think about the KD situation, and I'll get to how this affects the Nuggets and the Western Conference and what I think Kevin Durant is going to do next year in a second. First, though, I'm not sure if there's anyone to blame in this situation with KD rupturing his Achilles in his first game back after playing 12 minutes, but I think the Warriors deserve a lot of blame for this. I feel like they wronged Kevin Durant here, and I don't think it's getting talked about enough, to be quite honest. You just look at the timeline of this thing. Kevin Durant goes from not practicing, not doing any on-court work, to shooting around for 15 to 20 minutes before game four, and then shooting around for like 15 to 20 minutes before game five, and then suddenly being good to go without a minutes restriction, without any type of restriction, and then Steve Kerr telling Rachel Nichols or how she relayed her conversation with him where Steve Kerr said, we had no idea that it could get any worse. We were told and we relayed the message to Kevin that his Achilles wouldn't be in danger coming off of this injury. I mean, something just seems way off there. How he goes from not being able to do any on-court work like three, four days before game five to going through two extremely, extremely 15-minute shooting sessions and then suddenly being fully cleared, coming off a calf strain that, according to the medical opinions you see from experts on Twitter and in a lot of the articles that were written about this injury before he came back and after he came back, all pretty much agreed that he was coming back pretty early compared to most of the calf strains that they've seen. Also, how come in all the videos that we saw of Kevin Durant walking in and out of Oracle Arena or in and out of Scotiabank Arena with the injury, he had ice on his Achilles, not his calf. I know his calf can go pretty far down there, but that ice was on his Achilles. So something just seemed fishy to me about this whole thing. And for Steve Kerr to tell Rachel Nichols that we didn't think his Achilles would be in danger and we didn't think it could get any worse. I mean, I don't have to be a doctor to tell you that the calf and the Achilles are very close to one another and that an injury to one could definitely affect the other. So I just thought that was ridiculous the second I heard it. And so obviously there was a big risk for Kevin Durant to come back from the injury at the time that he did. And players come back early from injuries all the time. They come back earlier than they should, especially in the playoffs. We've seen this time and time again. But there is no way that the Warriors medical staff or Kevin Durant's medical staff could have told him that you have a high risk of injuring your Achilles here if you come back and potentially rupturing it, potentially having the worst injury that you can have in basketball. An Achilles is the worst thing that, that you can really have go wrong. There's no way that doctors could tell Kevin Durant that and he would still go out there and play. I firmly believe that if he knew in the back of his mind that there was a chance that his calf injury means that there was more of a chance that he would injure his Achilles, there's no way he's playing in that game five. And the reason I make that connection is because, like I said, the articles that have been written out of Golden State, out of Toronto, quoting medical professionals, there's a definite link there between a calf problem and the 
heightened risk of an Achilles injury. In an article by Howard Beck posted on the 11th, he quotes a team doctor from another NBA team who said that it's fair to conclude that the calf injury left Durant more vulnerable. I do think there's also a potential scenario where the initial calf injury had something to do with the Achilles because, like I said, why was the ice on the Achilles? You know, his that ice, whenever you saw Kevin Durant, it was never on his calf. So maybe the Achilles was bothering him the entire time and then it just popped. I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. Vic Lombardi is. Shout out Vic. But that's just my opinion on this matter. It seems pretty fishy to me. It certainly does. And this is a scenario where Kevin Durant's doctors, the Warriors doctors, they've got to stand in front of them and say, you're not playing because A, you're coming back too soon, or B, there's a greater risk of you suffering a catastrophic injury if that was the case. Even though Kevin Durant wants to play, and he reads the media, so I'm sure he was fully aware of all the stories coming out of that this final series that there was speculation, there was some anger, there was some frustration, uh, there was some uneasiness from teammates and people around the team that he wasn't back yet and just frustration around the situation that it was taking so long. They've got to stand in front of him and say, no, you're not playing. I'm sure we'll find out more details going forward, but... Really back to Josh's question there on Kevin Durant, if this kind of opens the door for the Nuggets and whatnot. I would disagree with Josh. He says that the logical thing for KD to do would be to take that player option with the Warriors and get $30 million for sitting in a suit. I think the logical thing for Kevin Durant to do is get a four-year max or get a five-year max from the Warriors, which I'm sure they would offer him after he freaking gutted out that game and came back probably before he shouldn't have and suffered an Achilles rupture all in trying to get them that game five win, which I don't think they get without his first half efforts. And I think Durant still gets a max from all those teams that were thinking about giving it to him before. You know, I think the Knicks still give him a max. I think the Nets still give him a max. I think the Warriors, like I said, would still give him a max. The Lakers, I don't know about the Lakers. They have a shorter timeline for sure than the Knicks and the Nets with LeBron's age. So I don't know about them, and you know they've got to conserve cap space every summer here. The Clippers, with Kawhi coming there... I don't know. That one's a bit up in the air, too, if Kawhi does come there. But the Knicks and the Nets, I think they both still give Kevin Durant a four-year max. And if I'm KD, that's what I take. I think the Warriors would give that to him, too. The medical technology we have is better than ever when it comes to rehab and getting guys back from ACLs and MCLs and really just injuries that you would think maybe 10, 15 years ago, might end some guys' careers. And so I think there is a good chance that Kevin Durant comes back and eventually becomes 80% of what he was, maybe 90. I don't think he ever gets to that peak level that we've seen him at for the last couple of years again. I really don't. But I do think there's a chance he gets back to 80% of what he was. And that's still probably what a top 10 player in the league, Kevin Durant at 80% of what he is. So I think he's still going to garner a max. 
a four-year max from the likes of the Knicks and the Nets and the Warriors like almost have to give it to him now, you would think. <laughs> After he goes out and plays that game, they've got to be like, all right, we feel a little responsible for you tearing your Achilles. Bob Myers even said so. So we're just going to give you the max here and hope you can get back to 70, 80% of what you were. I think that's what happens here. He'll get the max. I don't think that necessarily means he'll stay in Golden State. I think he's heading to the Knicks or the Nets, kind of as I've been saying all along. I think I've been saying the Knicks all along, so I'll stick with that. I just think that's where he'll wind up. And yeah, he'll miss the entire season next year. Who knows how he'll look in 2020-21, coming back from a year off. But if there's one guy I'll bet on to come back from a ruptured Achilles, it's Kevin Durant. He'll be 32 by then, so a little older, but still plenty of good basketball left. And does seem like he has a game that will age really well. So in the end, I think Durant still heads east. I think Thompson returns to the Warriors on a max deal or... Maybe they can get him to take a little bit of a pay cut, a a near-max deal to give them some more flexibility. But yes, that does mean the door in the West is open. And next season, really, regardless of where Kevin Durant is, because he's not playing next season, even if he's on the Warriors, the West will be as wide open as it's been in a very long time. And the Nuggets will have as good of a chance as they've had definitely since 09. Probably a better chance than they had in 09, though, to win the conference. The Warriors are getting older. They're still going to be the favorite. Steph Curry's going to be there. Klay Thompson's going to be there. Draymond Green's going to be there. They'll get somebody else to fill that DeMarcus Cousins role, who's probably going to be more impactful than DeMarcus Cousins was this year for them. They'll be right there. They're not going anywhere, but they're definitely not going to be as dominant as they've been with Kevin Durant. We saw what a battered Golden State team looks like you know, to an extent in the finals. Then again, that same battered Golden State team still swept the Portland Trailblazers, who the Nuggets lost to in seven games. But they're a year older. You know, another run to the finals that can definitely wear on you. This group has been together for quite a long time. I feel like there will even be more drama with Draymond Green and whoever else on that team, even though most of that drama was with Durant. I just feel like the more amount of years Draymond Green stays in Golden State, the more drama you're going to get with it. There's going to be that factor. There are a lot of factors going against Golden State. You know, how many times can they run this back? But if you're looking for a team to supplant Golden State or challenge them, the Nuggets are the clear team, right? Houston will still be good next year. They'll patchwork a roster around James Harden, Clint Capella. Maybe not with Chris Paul, but he was never really the Nuggets' big problem. They'll be there, but Denver's going to be a better team. They're going to be a better team than Utah. They're going to be a better team than Portland. They're going to be a better team than the Thunder. The Nuggets are that team, you know? The Nuggets are that team that I'm not going to say should be the favorite in the West because the Warriors with their championships and their MVPs and their finals, they deserve to have that title as favorite. They do, and their experience probably makes them the rightful favorite. But the Nuggets are that next team up right? They're the next team in line. So I think the window is open for sure. 
And it doesn't really matter what Kevin Durant does, but I do think he's heading east still on a full max deal. So it should be an exciting season next year. And how does Denver take advantage of that? You'd like them to make a move here. You'd like them to. But again, I don't know what that move is. And we've been talking about this all summer. Chris Middleton, I don't think he's gettable. I don't think Denver would want to pay him a max. Robert Covington, he'd be great. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I think he would potentially push Denver over the edge. We don't know if he's gettable from Minnesota. We don't know what Minnesota would want in return. I think there could be a pathway to a deal there, though. I think there could. You know, just looking at the two teams and their rosters and potentially their wants and needs. Bradley Beal seems like a big move. That's uh, would be a definite upgrade at the two. Uh, I don't know what Washington's looking for, though. I'll get into Bradley Beal a little more later on. So I, I just don't know what that big, earth-shattering, groundbreaking move is. I don't see it, to be quite honest. And that's why I've been saying on this podcast all summer that all indications I get is that Denver's running it back with likely the same group. And I think... The Nuggets believe, and I also believe, that this current group can get to another level. They can still climb another rung. They still have a higher ceiling than what we saw last season. All right, thanks for the question, Josh. I want to remind you guys that if you're not signed up for a BSN Denver subscription yet, right now is a great time to get in. We're running a cool offer right now where you can get an annual subscription to BSN Denver that only ends up costing you $3.33 a month. And with that annual subscription, you also get a free t-shirt of your choice from the BSN Denver Locker, where we've got Nuggets, Avs, Rockies, and Broncos shirts on there for you guys to pick from. A lot of great content coming up this summer. Summer League is in just a couple weeks. The draft, I know the Nuggets don't have a pick, but maybe they could get in there with a second rounder. We'll see. But I mean, you guys know how we cover Summer League here. Come on. So it's a great time to get in. We'll have tons of content from Las Vegas, like you guys love. Come on. So bsendeavor.com backslash subscribe. Annual subscription comes out to only $3.33 a month, and you also get a free t-shirt. Also, download the BSN Denver mobile app today. You can find it for iPhone, for Android. So again, an annual subscription to BSN Denver. Right now, it only comes out to $3.33 a month. You also get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker. Let's hit a break real quick. Got a bunch more questions to get to. Also one on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline to get to as well. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me 
well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit mygreensolution.com and use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wind here on a Thursday. Apologies for the light podcast load this week. I was feeling a little under the weather earlier this week, but I'm back. So let's get on with some more questions here. Corey writes, first off, appreciate the weekly content. You do a great job of keeping the fans in the know about our favorite team. Thank you, Corey. I believe that we should bring Millsap back doing whatever it takes, basically. My dream offseason isn't snagging one of the top tier guys because to me, that would be out of nowhere and I don't want to set myself up for disappointment and something unrealistic. <laughs> Smart. If we bring Millsap back though i would like us to get another iggy level free agent pickup to me Millsap is our iggy but we could use one more to put us over the top preferably at the small forward position which has been the topic of conversation on your pods yes it has of the unrestricted free agents i'll be out there i'd like boyan bogdanovich for the restricted free agents i like ronde hollis jefferson what do you think of these players being potential targets to help with defense and fill a role offensively do you think we should wait a year for a more obvious long-term play? Thanks for the question, Corey. When it comes to Boyan Bogdanovich, I don't think he'll help with the defense. He'd add some shooting. He'd probably hurt the defense, quite honestly. But he'd be great. Uh, he, I don't think he'd be looking to come off the bench, though, for a team. I mean, he was a starter for most of the year in Indiana, especially when Victor Oladipo went down and really carried them. So I don't know how willing he'd be to accept an off-the-bench role here. Then again, if you're bringing him in to start, yeah, that's intriguing. But I don't really see Denver doing that. I like him, though. I also like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. He'd help with the defense. I'm not sure what his role would be offensively. You can't really play him with Mason Plumley on that bench unit. I mean, Hollis Jefferson is a guy who's never been a threat from three. I think he's like a 22% career three-point shooter. So he and Plumley, I don't think, would work on the court together. I mean, I, I like Hollis Jefferson. I, I think he'd add a nice small ball dynamic to this team in the front court. But frankly, I just don't see it just with the pieces already here. You know, Mason Plumley. Unless something big happens here that nobody's really expecting. Mason Plumlee's going to be here next year. So if you're looking for a backup power forward, you've got to find a guy who has a little bit of shooting to offset Plumlee, who's pretty tied to the paint. Or, you know, if Plumlee's out of the three-point line, nobody's guarding him there. So that hurts your spacing if you have a guy like Hollis Jefferson with him who doesn't really strike much fear in the defense from three. So if I'm looking for potential backup fours, I'm looking for guys who are threats from three. So I think Bogdanovich would be a better fit for sure. Uh, but I don't envision any of those guys, any of those two guys signing with Denver. The last thing you wrote there, Corey, do you think we should wait a year for a more obvious long-term play? In the trade market, yes. In free agency, no. I don't know if you guys have 
took a gander at the 2020 class of free agents, it sucks. I mean, after Anthony Davis, you've got like Andre Drummond as the third best unrestricted free agent, you know? And he is a player option too. I think DeMar DeRozan is like the fifth best free agent out there in the class of 2020. Daniel Gallinari is available in 2020. I think he'd be a great fit in Denver. Not joking either. I'm not being sarcastic at all. I think Gallinari would be a really good fit here. We'll see if a potential reunion could come about there. Gallinari still lives in Denver in the offseason, or for however much of the offseason NBA players stay in one place, he's in Denver. Shops at Whole Foods. So we'll see. I think Denver, instead of dipping their toes in free agency for a big splash, Maybe they'd be better advised to wait for the next disgruntled superstar to pop up because, trust me, another guy will become disgruntled from now until this time next year. There will be another one. Even though it doesn't seem likely, there will be another one, I'm guaranteeing you. It's also going to be the guy you least expect, too. It's going to be the guy you least expect, but there will be multiple trade demands made by all NBA caliber players over the next 12 months. Maybe Denver's better off waiting for one of those. All right, let's move on. Josh writes in, I did both my degrees at the University of Nebraska before moving to Englewood, Colorado last year. Purely out of curiosity, I'm wondering if you've seen or heard anything about Nebraska small forward slash power forward Isaiah Roby. Before he started getting mocked, mostly second round, a lot of Nebraska fans thought he needed to come back to school, but is a pretty solid defender who had to play the five in college out of necessity. Love the show. Keep it up. Thanks, Josh. I had not heard of Isaiah Roby. I did check him out, though. I did do my version of a scouting report on him, which is read a couple articles and watch a couple YouTube videos on him. And, you know, I like him. Seems like he's currently getting mocked. In the early second round, saw some talk that maybe he could go late first round if the right team falls in love with him. The skinny on Roby, 6'8", 6'9". You're right. Seemed like he played the five in college out of necessity where he's probably more of just that playmaking four type. Maybe some three, but I'd say more four because he didn't really show off much of a shot in college. That'd be my biggest concern about him heading into the pros. I mean, just shot 33% from three last year and under 70% from the line, which is a big red flag always with guys that you're looking to project as shooters. But he's got nice size, 6'8", 230. Like I said, can guard multiple positions in college. I mean, with the big men in college, you could probably guard four positions maybe. In the pros, you know, maybe three positions. So... I like his versatility there, especially on the defensive end. He's also got just a ginormous seven foot three wingspan, so great length there, and that's definitely something the Nuggets need on the perimeter, defensive versatility and length. So he definitely checks off a couple boxes there. Offensively, you kind of wonder what his role is going to be. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a knockdown shooter. Is pretty good at using his body when going to the hoop. At least that's what I could take away from the limited film I watched. You know, it seems like he's got decent strength. Could probably use uh, a little more time in the weight room, I'd say. But he does have the makings of a guy who can defend multiple positions at the next level. Small forward, power forward, maybe some underside centers if he puts on some weight, puts on some mass. And, you know, offensively, 
He could probably be a contributor on some bench lineups. What you really like about him on the defensive end, averaged around two blocks per game each of the last two seasons. So you know that's probably not a fluke there. Great timing, great hand-eye coordination, can really get up to, good athlete. So he's intriguing for sure. Now here's what it's probably going to come down to in the draft for Denver. As it stands right now, I'd be pretty surprised if the Nuggets were able to get into the first round. They'd probably have to part with a guy like Malik Beasley to get into the top 30. That's what I would speculate about Denver's chances about getting into the first round. I don't see the Nuggets doing that right now. I don't think a guy like Wancho, even Wancho plus a pick, a future first, with how high Denver will be picking, and I mean how high, like, the Nuggets are going to be a playoff team for years to come. They're probably going to be picking in the 20-plus range, the 20 to 30 range from here on out. So I don't know how much value those future protected firsts will have for other teams. I don't even know if a Wancho and a first-round pick gets you into this year's first round with even how weak this draft is at the top. So I'd be looking at second-round guys for Denver. Obviously, Isaiah Roby fits that mold. He's projected to go in the second round in most mocks. And if Denver really likes somebody, I think they would try to be aggressive in moving up. In the second round, it's easy to move up, as we've seen in the past. They did that last year for Jared Vanderbilt. They've done it in the past for other guys. If they like somebody in the second round, we've seen them before move some future assets to make that happen. And I would predict they do that again if there's a guy out there that they really like in that second round. Then again, they've got to get that second round pick to move up from in the first place. And the most logical way you can do that is just buying it for straight up cash. Most notably, the one everybody thinks of over the last season or two is when the Bulls traded the Jordan Bell pick to the Warriors for cash. So that's a way to do it. You know, Denver could trade a future second rounder to get into this second round. There are a lot of ways to do it. And they could trade a player. So we'll see. But my point here is if Denver really likes somebody in the second round, I think they'll try to go get him. You know, if they see a guy who they're really in love with, who they think can help them long term, they'll try to go get him. And I think that's what's going to make draft night kind of interesting for Denver. Thanks for the question, Josh. I want to move on to a question from Corey, who's also from Australia. He's from Sydney. He writes, longtime listener, first time emailer. Obviously, the small forward position has been a big topic of discussion in Nuggets land for a long time. However, I don't see many inspiring options on the table this offseason. The best option I've heard is Danny Green, but even I think he's too short and isn't good enough to get Denver over the hump. I'd probably agree there. I think he could be an upgrade, but I don't think he's a big enough one to really try to splurge there. Then I thought about it further. Do even better options like Covington and Chris Middleton, as good as those players are, really get Denver to a championship someday? For me, the answer is still probably not. For me, Corey, the answer with those guys is yes. Corey goes on to write, in my opinion, for the Nuggets to be a true contender, whoever the small forward is has to be an absolute megastar, as has been the case with the last four championship teams. The Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Warriors, and maybe the Warriors again, or if the Raptors win, the Raptors. In order for the Nuggets to acquire such a player, they need to be patient. They need to wait for the next disgruntled small forward superstar like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard and be willing to put together a trade package that involves Gary Harris, Will Barton, and any bench pieces and picks necessary. 
Then I think Denver could use its talented front office to find cheap Eastern European prospects to fill the gaps at the back end of the roster. Vlako Chanchar, anyone? In the meantime, I believe the Nuggets would be wise to avoid tying up long-term cap space for players like Covington and Green that will only marginally improve the team's ceiling and instead should position themselves for the type of high upside opportunity I just laid out. To me, Murray, Harris, Covington, or Green, Millsap, and Jokic definitely improves the roster, but I also believe it's a great way to lose in the Western Conference Finals every year. A challenge the Nuggets front office to be bolder than that. What are your thoughts on this type of strategy? Should the Nuggets do whatever necessary to marginally improve the roster this offseason, or should they be valuing long-term flexibility to make a higher upside play at the top at small forward that has a better shot at delivering Denver to the promised land? When it comes down to it, if it's the right guy, and if it's the right fit, and if that player is at the right point in his career, and if he's going to play well off of Jokic, and if he's a good personality in the locker room, and if he's got a good head on his shoulders, and if the contract makes sense, and Denver has enough good intel and background on him to know he'd be a good fit, yeah, they should splurge. More importantly, if that guy has interest in the Nuggets and staying here long-term and building a championship team in Denver, continuing to build on what Denver has here and wants to win a championship here, yeah, they should absolutely splurge. They should. If that guy is out there, yes, they should. But if that guy isn't out there, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to take a half step this season, per se, while sacrificing some longer-term cap room and less financial flexibility going forward. That's what I would say to that. But yes, to your point, obviously the most attractive or maybe not the most attractive, but the most popular and maybe the easiest way to win an NBA championship is just with that all NBA, that blockbuster guy at the small forward spot. We've seen it with all the past champions from Kevin Durant to LeBron James to potentially Kawhi Leonard this year. That seems to be the way of the NBA right now. So I've always felt like if Denver's going to win a championship, it would probably need to come in like a really weird year. I'm backing off that a little bit because I do think the core Denver has and the direction the Nuggets front office is building and the type of talent they could potentially add to that core in due time could really give them some staying power as a championship contender. But yeah, it does seem like the easiest pathway to that comes with just the superstar at the three. I've got one call to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline before we wrap up today. First, though, quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. BSN listeners, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Seriously, these reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD-infused coffee that's taken away. Long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's also helped to decrease anxiety. Pretty much you name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. And honestly, we could not recommend it any more to you guys. Check it out for yourself today. And you can receive 20% off when you use the code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll also get it shipped straight to your door. All right. Here on a Thursday edition of the pod, let's wrap up with one call from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Again, if you guys want to call in, 1-800-BSN-8394, my email, wind at bsndenver.com. 
Hey, this is Robert from Colorado. I'm just wondering if you think um, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, and maybe a future first-rounder would be too much for Bradley Beal. Um, I don't think it would because Bradley Beal's an upgrade over Gary Harris, and I don't think the Nuggets are going to be able to keep Malik Beasley past next year anyway with the contract situation. Um, I didn't try the trade machine, so I'm not sure if the salary works out, but I was just wondering what you think about that trade, if you think it's too much or too little, or what your personal um, trade package would be for trading for Bradley Beal. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Robert. Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, and a future first for Bradley Beal. Maybe a smidge too much. And here's why I say that. Yeah, you've got to pay Malik Beasley here soon. You've also got to pay Bradley Beal here soon, right? And Bradley Beal is going to make a lot more money than Malik Beasley will on his next contract. Bradley Beal is, in my opinion, a max guy. I don't know if the Wizards want to pay him a max, particularly with the John Wall situation happening there. So I think they will look to deal him eventually. Uh, but he's going to get paid a lot of money too, and Denver would have to be willing to pay him his worth there. They've got to pay him at the conclusion of next season. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So if they do get him, you'd have to think Denver would be under the assumption that he'd stick around long term and the Nuggets would sign him to that extension. So you'd have to hand out a lot of money to Brad Beal there. Now, don't get me wrong, though. You guys know from listening to this podcast, I've said this before. I am a big Bradley Beal guy. I love Bradley Beal. He's one of the guys that I'm just all in on, you know. Certain GMs have their guys, like Danny Ainge, Kyrie Irving. I've got Joe Harris, Jake Lehman, and Bradley Beal, you know. So I'm a big Bradley Beal guy. I've always liked him. I think he'd be an upgrade at the two over Gary Harris, like you said, Robert. I agree there. He's way more durable. He's played in like 82 games the last two years and like 81 games the year before that, I think, just offhand. Gary Harris obviously hasn't done that. So super durable, great offensive player, solid defensive player, not as good as Gary Harris is defensively, obviously, but can definitely hold his own there. Is good enough, I think, around the same size as Gary Harris is, too. So I love Bradley Beal. I think he'd be a great fit here. I think he'd be an upgrade too. So in the end, yeah, I think it could be a fair package. I think if you're the Nuggets, you say, hey, how about Wancho instead of Malik Beasley? You know, how about Wancho instead of Malik Beasley? If the Wizards would go for that deal, I think that'd be a lot better for Denver. So you at least still get Malik for this next season. That's just what I would think personally. But I'm not sure. The other question here is, what does Washington want in a Bradley Beal trade? My first instinct would be that they want picks, which Denver doesn't really have right now. Yeah, they can offer future firsts, but like I said earlier, those firsts probably aren't going to be in the top 20. And like, if I'm Washington, I want like a top five pick for Bradley Beal. Like, that's what I think he'd be worth if I'm the Wizards. So, it probably comes down here to what Washington wants. If I'm Tommy Shepard, who seems to be running the Wizards right now, and it looks like he'll be doing it through the draft. If I'm Tommy Shepard, I'm going straight to Adam Silver's office in downtown New York City. I'm offering up my left arm for an emergency amnesty clause to get rid of John Wall's contract and wipe it off the books. That's my first order of business if I get that full-time gig in Washington. <laughs> then... I'll turn my attention to what I'm going to do with Bradley Beal. So the Wizards have a lot of problems on their hands. 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Brad Beal. It seems like they might have to trade him if they don't get an amnesty clause handed down from above. So we'll see. But I do think Bradley Beal would be a great fit in Denver. I think he'd raise their ceiling. I think he'd even raise their floor because he's more durable than a guy like Gary Harris. And I think he'd turn Denver into a championship contender next season. There, I said it. All right, that's all the time I got for today. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the calls, guys. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.